welcome back. I'm Jenny Fielding, and this is Techstars IoT. Hi, and welcome back. Today, we'll be covering the intersection of IoT and textiles. And here with me, I have the CEO and co-founder of Lumia, which was formerly The Crate. The Crated? The Crated. The Crated. Welcome, Maddie. (laughs) Great. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. All right. So tell us a little bit about what Lumia does. I love saying that word, Lumia. (laughs) I met with an investor who said companies with double O's do better, like Google and Yahoo. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Lumia makes materials that make it easier to manufacture smart, soft, good products at scale. So we focus on the consumer apparel market, but there's also industrial furniture. Anywhere where you have fabric, we want to make it easier to make it intelligent. Cool. And how did you come up with this idea? Like, what was it that drove you to think that this is a big problem that you want to solve? Absolutely. It was such a process. And I wish I, I wish I was quicker about the process, but it's, it's been a few years. I started off after getting the Teal Fellowship, wanting to really do work at the intersection of design and technology. So actually started this company as a studio and we were doing lots of different things from generating 3D models that looked like textiles for artistic pieces to building circuits inside of apparel for either marketing or for uh, consumer product testing. And as I was building those prototypes, realized that there's just a ton of enabling technologies missing. So for any early or emerging industry, creating enabling technologies is a great way to see the industry grow. And more than anything, I wanted the industry to be better so that when I talk about what we do, people have heard about it or like they know what this space is. Most people have never heard of e-textiles. The great thing about enabling technologies is that they can also be very lucrative. Uh, so decided to productize the business. And with that, you know, we changed the branding a little bit. We're still focused on the same market, but it's kind of honing in, creating a product and doing something that we think will make the industry grow, referencing the experience that we had from being a studio and working with these companies closely. Great. So can you just talk a little bit about how you refined the thesis? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, I more and more you look at who you are and what you're doing and realizing what your strengths are. And I'm I love to make things. I'm not great at a lot of communication and marketing and branding. And so it took a lot of talking to people and understanding the words that made sense to them and starting to use those words and trying to put things in, trying to put things in a box that would make sense to them in the industry. And I feel like that dance between refining our language informed the product and then improving the product informed the language. So it's really been a process of listening and iterating to get to the point where we know what we're making and we know how to talk about it a little better. Great. So we're hearing a lot about smart cities, smart home, smart textiles. Uh, I guess we're hearing a little bit about that. So tell us what smart textiles are and why they need to be smart. If we look around this room that we're sitting in, textiles are on the seats, or on our bags, or on our clothing. They're something that really impact our lives, and they're one of the earliest forms of technology. If you've ever seen how a polyester material is made, it's a polymer, it's a chemical that's extruded at high temperatures and then turned into a fiber and then woven into a material and watching an automatic weaving machine create a product. It's an amazing feat of engineering. And so... Bringing the technology and focus on innovation that we have in the textiles industry creates great room for impact because everybody has to buy clothing or else you you can't really function in society or this society, probably other societies. And when it comes to smart cities, being able to have the nodes for a smart city in everyone's backpacks or jeans or shirts, as long as it's done ethically, can really help us connect and make our lives a little more enchanted. So I think that 
with smart textiles, there's a lot of room to really live up to that idea of the enchanted object, where it's not necessarily about you know, your phone controlling your world, but more so your world working for you in a way where you don't have to look at a screen and you can just have the things that you need where you need them. So what are some of the things specifically that we've been missing because our apparel and textiles haven't been smart? So you kind of mentioned location could be an interesting one or maps or something. What are, what are some of the practical areas? There's a great jacket by a woman named Billy Whitehouse and the jacket has haptic feedback or it has vibrating motors on different parts of the jacket so that it gives you turn-by-turn navigation and you don't need to look at your phone to know where you're going. You can imagine how something like that is useful for the military where you can't look at your phone to know where you're going. Some of the use cases that we see people excited about are things like thermal comfort. So when you're in the subway, it's hot. When you're outside, it's cold. Just having garments that actually keep you comfortable. And I'd be really curious to see what people talk about when we can't talk about the weather because that's you know, so much of any conversation. There's also a lot about safety. So for runners, if you have a simple IR sensor, you could get a garment that can tell when fast-moving objects are nearby and give you a little buzz so that when you're in the zone, you know, if there's a car or a fast-moving object coming, you get that moment's notice before there could be a problem. And something like that is also really useful for children. You let them know that if they feel the buzz, it means to move or lots of different ways to communicate with people who maybe aren't quite as independent as we are. Obviously, a lot of interesting use cases. Talk to me a bit about the data how it's collected, what it can be used for, and then also what are some of the privacy concerns around that? That's a big question. And I think that we see a parallel to that in 3D printing, which is you know a similar emerging market that's farther along on, on its S-curve than smart apparel and e-textiles. Similar to how 3D printing had a lot of copyright issues around can you print any file that might belong to someone else? There's that question of can you collect anyone's data without their consent? There's a group called the Fashion Innovation Alliance that's been petitioning with Congress and educating Congress around different IoT bills related to apparel data collection. And Bureau Veritas, which is one of the best uh, testing agencies domestically, is developing more rules and regulation around this sort of data collection. So for us, we just make the conductors where you can get data from one point to the other. But I think that it's really important that people in this industry come together to create an ecosystem where we have people covering data regulation, we have people covering conductors, we have people covering washability and construction, product, marketing, language, all of these things that we need to make the industry grow. Cool. I mean, I'm of the opinion that people love to go on and on about privacy and why that's so important. But at the end of the day, we seem to always pick convenience over privacy. And so, you know, if you can create utility and convenience around smart textiles, I think you, know, you could have a real business. And it's great to be thinking about those privacy concerns, but I don't actually think people are so concerned about it. <laughs> so. It makes you think of the idea that if you're not paying for it, you are the product, where oftentimes there's an exchange for convenience or accessibility. And I'm not saying it's right, but to trade-off sometimes. Totally. So talk to us about some of the untapped ideas, maybe around IoT and textiles, some of the things that we're not hearing about all the time. And we definitely hear about maps, and I'm a big fan of Billy Whitehouse and her jacket. But what are some of the other areas? I'm personally really interested in a lot of the industrial use cases. So there's a company called Strong Arm Tech, also in the Navy Yard. They make exoskeletons to help industrial workers lift things more safely. But often getting someone to wear an exoskeleton isn't really that easy. If there are ways to use electricity to have 
their shirt enhance muscles and help them build things better. You know, that sort of thing is something that we as mainstream consumers would never see, but could really change the way that the world around us is built. I think that especially for industrial use cases around long-term truck drivers who sit for hours and hours and hours and maybe need monitoring to stay safe, or healthcare and elderly patients who need a lot of monitoring to make sure that they're well-fed and well-taken care of and getting that data to their loved ones. Putting that kind of monitoring and intelligence in fabrics is something that I think these industries could take advantage of, but as consumers, we wouldn't really see them and we, we might not buy them. Yeah, healthcare is a really interesting one. You know, I think so many people have pitched me on the idea of like elder care using all kinds of wearables and all kinds of stuff that older people aren't necessarily used to, but apparel they are. And so it just makes a ton of sense to, you know, utilize things that they are already accustomed to, you know, wearing and using. So I think we're going to see a lot more in health. That's my prediction. So one thing I've heard you talk about in the past is how e-textiles can really transform logistics and supply chain. And so I'd love to hear, you know, your kind of theory and where, where you think it can be most impactful in that sense. I think it can really create a feedback loop and a life cycle around the product, like the soft good products that we buy. So looking at the soft goods industry, most people who sell any soft goods product, they don't get feedback on what somebody thinks of their product. Any apparel retailer just sells a bunch of stuff. And then when a product stops selling, they don't really know why. They just make something else. <laughs> They generally only have access to one-time sales because the soft good product, whether that be a mattress or a t-shirt, doesn't perform a service that gives them reoccurring revenue. And they also often have a really hard time tracing supply chain in their product development. So if their CF is telling them that all their product is made domestically, that's kind of what they know and believe. But if you can embed either like textile RFID into garments in a way that's unobtrusive or, you know, just general location tracking that reports back for a product to a main hub, you can actually verify that every part of the supply chain is telling you the truth, that the product is coming from where it's meant to be and that it's going to where it's meant to be. And then once somebody buys a product, if you can either have that product perform a service for them whether that be heating, cooling, tracking, whatever it may be, then you get access to recurring revenue. And with that service, you also get information about how someone's using your product and why they might abandon the product. So for supply chain all the way through retail, I think there are great opportunities to kind of revive the way that we're selling things to make sure that customers like their product. They're not over-consuming, but maybe actually getting some of these companies a higher margin for selling more innovative products rather than trying to just sell someone a bunch of stuff that they don't want, then throw away and then buy new stuff. So it's kind of a lot of different pieces there, but I think that making smarter products that we can track and that do services for consumers can kind of change the way that we typically make things and buy things. Cool. Taking a step back, one of the things that's kind of a theme on this show is really talking to founders about what's important to them and what motivates them and what gets them out of bed every day. And so you mentioned that you were a Teal Fellow. How did you get from there to here? So just tell us a little bit about your journey. At the beginning of the Teal Fellowship, I I think I didn't know what I didn't know. And I continue to still be amazed at how naive I am about a lot of things. But a lot of, you know, moving along with the Teal Fellowship and setting up infrastructure that I can now live off of and support myself off of because the grant ends is about, I think, taking opportunity, finding a niche and just being really willing to work hard. With taking opportunity, that means that if you can find a way to get to a conference, get to a meeting, get to anything, just doing everything that you can to be there. 
because being willing to show up often creates opportunities, more more opportunities. Finding a niche, like the niche industry that I work in, is something that I think young people can do to really bring value to their resumes and to their personal brand. Just where, you know, if if I was in the industry of open source software, you know, I'm really young. I'm not an awesome programmer. I don't really think I can contribute much, and I don't know why anybody would believe me. I think that in an emerging industry, a lot of a lot of like emerging talent has an advantage, and so finding a niche where you can really contribute and where you can learn a lot very quickly has been something that's helpful. And then, let's see, what was my third one again? Now I'm coming back to it. <laughs> All right. Well, so tell us how you made it from the Teal Fellowship into starting your company. I guess I kind of went with the overarching themes rather than the process. I worked hard for for a long time and continue to work as hard as I can. I know it's not the most appealing answer, but I think it's just constantly coming up with things that move what you're doing incrementally forward and doing that over a long period of time. And eventually you have something that's kind of interesting. Cool. So what's next for Lumia? Tell us a little bit about your roadmap and what we should expect. We're planning on launching product quarter one of next year. We started taking some early pre-orders, which is exciting. Yay! <laughs> and, you know, it's really getting it out there, learning about what people think of our materials. And then we also continue to do some creative work. So you might see some of the creative work that we're doing at some of the big conferences next year. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Maddie. We're really excited about Lumia, and we'll be looking for your products out there all the time. And yeah, this was great. Thanks for joining us at Techstars IoT, and we'll see you next week. Thanks again for joining me for Techstars IoT, and stay tuned for next week and our next episode.